Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you would open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we're going to begin where uh, Pastor Jason left off last week. We're going to specifically be looking at verses 105 through 112 this morning. If you're joining with us on campus and you do not have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to look underneath the seat in front of you or underneath the seat that you're sitting in. There should be a blue Bible there. I would encourage you to take that Bible, open up to page 571, 571. That's where we'll be this morning. We are uh, walking through this amazing chapter, uh, Psalm 119, uh, an amazing chapter. We are in our 14th message, and uh, the reason why we're taking the time to walk verse by verse through this passage is because the way that it's specifically laid out, it's laid out in uh, 22 different stanzas, eight verses each. It's a poem that the psalmist has written, and the beauty is we, we, don't, we don't know who the psalmist actually was. It's possible it was David or Hezekiah or Ezra or Daniel. We don't know the exact uh, circumstances that, in which he's uh, writing in. We don't know if it's uh, uh, different seasons of his life or one time he sits down and the Lord gives him these words to, to write. We're, we're not exactly sure, but what we do know is that the psalmist, the the key of Psalm 119 is about the centrality of the word of the Lord. It's through this psalm, this particular chapter, that God's word is referred to 98 to 99% of the time in all those verses. Uh, Words like rules, law, precepts, testimonies, statutes, judgments, commands, promises, and instructions. And what we've also learned in this amazing chapter is how God and his wisdom has laid out this chapter. So I mentioned that 176 verses broken into 22 different stanzas. Those 22 different stanzas are a representation of each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And every stanza begins with a specific Hebrew letter of the alphabet. And each verse in that stanza also corresponds with that same Hebrew letter. And so this morning as we look at this 14th stanza, uh, here we have the, the Hebrew letter Nun. Noon, and you'll see there on the right-hand side, again, Hebrew language is right to left, not left to right like the English language. And there you see the same letter all the way down in order to help promote uh, memorizing God's Word. And so how important is it for us to understand and apply God's Word? And here is uh, the psalmist. And, and the letter, uh, Hebrew letter Noon really represents uh, humility before the Lord. And here is the psalmist. The psalmist is going before the Lord in tremendous humility, and he, he desires to surrender his life, all of his life, to the word of the Lord. And this is what we see clearly in our passage this morning. Uh, In verses 105 through 112, the scripture says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. And it's in this passage that the psalmist is really going to teach us uh, as followers of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, if we are really truly going to be committed to humbly surrendering our life to the faithfulness of God, and that's what it's about. It's first and foremost about the faithfulness of God, right? If we're truly going to submit our lives according to his word, uh, there are three things that the the psalmist teaches us to do. Uh, One, we are to let God's word guide you. Let God's word guide you. And as a follower of Christ, that's one of the blessings that we have. 
God has graciously given us his guidance, right? Praise God for that. And we see that in verse 105. Uh, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So this is probably the verse that most of us know, right, or have heard it before. So think about this uh, picture of a lamp, and I wanted to show you what this looked like because it's not the lamp that we're accustomed to. And so you have these clay plots that were filled with oil, and a wick would have been thrown into it, and they would light it. And and really, it's it's not meant to light up a room. It's just meant to light up a small uh, space, right? And and that's why it says uh, a lamp where? to my feet. And so when we think about this in our modern context, maybe a flashlight, right? So if you've ever had the lights go out uh, in your house and you're scrambling for a flashlight, even one of those really, really small ones, right? You grab that and hope the batteries are working. And uh, it's meant to just light up that next step, right? But then he talks about a light to my path. And so the picture here is not of a flashlight, but a floodlight, right? I love floodlights. In fact, uh, we have three that are pointed in our backyard and we need those. Uh, We have no fence around our yard. One neighbor has a fence on their side. Uh, but we, we have a lot of things that happen in our backyard. Uh, we've had uh, deer and, and geese and ducks, uh, snakes, uh, armadillos, uh, possums. We even had a gator in the front yard. And so late at night when we uh, take our dog Jethro out, uh, one of the things that are on our mind is what's happening, right? You know, and so when those floodlights kick on, uh, it gives us greater clarity. So it's not just a, a, a light to my feet, but it gives me clarity to what's around me, right? And, and this is what the psalmist does. The psalmist is teaching us the importance of the light of God's word. Now, consider light for just a moment from a scriptural standpoint. Uh, we, we know that uh, God has created physical light, right? Uh, in fact, uh, in Genesis 1-3, the scripture says, God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. Man, that's pretty powerful, right? Uh, and then in, in uh, Genesis 1:16, on the fourth day of creation, the scripture talks about this light when the scripture says, and God made uh, the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. So God created the sun, uh, the moon, and the stars, right? Praise be to God for that. But then when you walk through scripture a little bit more, you understand that the, the light is, uh, of God is not just a physical side, but man, it, it, it represents the very glory and the presence of the Lord. Uh, in fact, one of the greatest places to see that in the Old Testament specifically is how, how God l- delivered his people from the, the captivity of the Egyptians and led them to the wilderness and through the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land. And how did he do it? Exodus 13, uh, verses 21 and 22, the scripture says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them what? To give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from them before the people. And so God in his loving leadership through the very, his very presence is giving them guidance and giving them direction, right? I mean, think about that. That even in their rebellion, even in their uh, callousness and their complaining and their disobedience, God in his grace is doing what? He's shepherding his people through the unknown places of life. That's what God is doing. God is shepherding his people and we need the light of the gospel do we not and this reminds me of an amazing passage in john uh, 8 chapter 12 where jesus is speaking and the scripture says and again jesus spoke to them saying what man what a phrase i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life and the context is beautiful in john 8 
you're, you're in the, the Jewish people are gathered for the Feast of Tabernacles, which would have been a week-long celebration, primarily focused on how God delivered his people from, from captivity and provided for them and was faithful for them, for them and so to them. And so this is a great celebration. And towards the end of that celebration, they had what was called the illumination of the temple. And so what you had is these four huge lamps filled with oil, 75 feet tall. So twice the, the, the height of this sanctuary, more than t- twice. And, and these, these things would be lit up. And n- the light was so bright that it not only lit up the, the immediate courtyard that they were in, but it, it lit up the entire town. And it's in that backdrop, in that setting, that Jesus says those words, I am the light of the world. And because Jesus is the light of the world, he is the source of life itself. If you want life, if you want to overcome the darkness, the darkness of sin on the outside and the darkness of sin on the inside, you need Jesus. And here is the reality. There is an enemy and he is your enemy and he is my enemy and he is against me, he's against my family, he's against this church, he's against your body and your mind and your emotions and ultimately he's against your soul right and it's in those moments that we need to be reminded that we need the guidance of the lord we need him to be the lamp to my feet and a light to my path but here's the reality not everybody receives that right Proverbs 4, 18 and 19, the scripture says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. People who have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior stumble. They don't see the obstacles. They don't know the obstacles. Why? Because they're living in darkness. They've never received the light of Christ. But you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have received the light of life, Jesus Christ. So daily, we have an opportunity. This is a blessing and a privilege and an honor. We have an opportunity to surrender our lives to the guidance of the Lord. Proverbs 6.23 says this, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. So God's word teaches us where to walk, how to walk, what to avoid, and when we get on the wrong path, and we will, gracious enough to rebuke us to correct us and to restore us and the psalmist knows this the psalmist knows and believes and trusts that he needs God's word to be his guide so much so that he says in verse uh, 106 I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules this is a personal declaration from the psalmist to the Lord your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path I choose to commit my ways to the Lord. In the Hebrew, it would say, I am bound and determined to keep your righteous judgments. The psalmist makes a vow and he chooses to follow through. The scripture says he confirms it. So this is not conviction without commitment, right? What, what good is a vow if you're not committed to what you have said? And that's what the psalmist says. The psalmist is making a vow to humbly surrender to the things of the Lord. And here's the reality. Life is messy, right? Who would agree with that? I mean, life is messy, All of life, to some degree, is messy. The question is, with the messiness of life, are you going to trust God's word to guide you one step at a time? To trust God to show you the path ahead, to give greater clarity. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, verses that we probably know. The scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. I love this passage. Why? Because we can trust the Lord fully, right? With all our heart, with each part of our heart. Why? Because he is reliable and trustworthy and faithful and wise and powerful, loving, and, and he is good. And, and praise be to God. We don't have to lean on our own understanding, right? The word lean means to rest your weight on something. Every day we have an opportunity not to rest the weight of life on our own shoulders, right? Our own wisdom, our own emotions. We, we rest it on him. Praise God for that. So whatever we are anxious about, whatever we are afraid of, whatever gets us all stressed out and all worked up, all the things that are unknown, the things that uh, keep us captive in the past, the things that hinder us from making the step forward, the scripture says we can trust in the Lord. We can lean on him. And the scripture says that we not only can fully trust in the Lord, but we can fully follow the Lord. The word acknowledge is a beautiful word. In the Hebrew, it's not just about acknowledging truths and facts about the Lord. It, it's a relational term. So in the midst of the messiness of life, we have the privilege as brothers and sisters in Christ to acknowledge the Lord, meaning that we can invite him in in all of the circumstances of life. Why? Because we have a relationship with him through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So everywhere you go and everything you do, give God the prime real estate in your heart and in your mind. Open all areas of your life to him. Why? Because the scripture says he will, not he might, but he will make straight your past. That doesn't mean that he removes all the obstacles. It's not what it's saying. But what it is saying is this, that it is a promise of God that he will clear our path, he will lead you, he will provide for you, he will guide you, and he will never abandon you. So who are you allowing? What are you allowing to be the guide of your life today? The scripture says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, so let's let God's word guide you. Uh, the second way as followers of Christ that we can show humility and surrender to the Lord is by letting, God, uh, letting God's word sustain you, letting God's word uh, sustain you. And this is one of the blessings that we have uh, as far as Christ as well, is God's gracious power in sustaining us. Notice the weight of what the psalmist is facing. Uh, the first part of verse 7, the scripture says, I am severely afflicted. Now, this is the sixth time already in Psalm 119 where the, the scripture mentions that he's been afflicted. But this is the very first time that he mentions the very fact that he is severely afflicted. And in the Hebrew, the word severely is actually two words. The first word communicates something that is continuous and lasting. The second word communicates something that is overwhelming, something that is struggling and hard and mighty and great. And so here is the psalmist. The psalmist is communicating to us with this severe affliction that it is lasting and it provides unspeakable hurt. Unspeakable hurt. Too much to bear on his own. So his life is extremely difficult, one wave after another. The scripture goes on to say in uh, the first part of verse 9, he says, I hold my life in my hand continually. So the psalmist in no way is communicating that he is in control of his life. That's not what he's saying. Uh, in fact, that phrase there, I hold my life uh, in my hand, is mentioned in other pa uh, places in the scripture. Uh, one would be uh, Judges uh, 12, uh, verse uh, 3. Another one would be uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 19, verse 5. And it always expresses uh, a place of great danger. In other words, uh, I'm at the verge of death. That's what the scripture is saying. My life is in constant threat and I am in danger of dying. And so so these are difficult days and dangerous times for the psalmist, and he's under enormous distress. The stress level is out of the roof, right? He says in verse 10, the first part, uh, the wicked, the wicked have laid a snare 
for me. And we've talked about this before. The wicked would be those who uh, are not following the Lord and certainly against the Lord and against the psalmist. Uh, the word laid is an amazing word because we, it's the same word that's in Genesis 1.17 where the scripture says that, that, G, uh, that the Lord, uh, the God that set the stars in the heavens, meaning that he set them for a purpose, right? And so these, these uh, ones that are opposed to the Lord and opposed to the psalmist, they're laying out what? Uh, snares. The snares are a trap. Specifically, it's a bird trap. It's a quite possibly a net that would have been used to trap uh, birds. And so here you have these individuals, the, the, those who are purposely setting traps to hurt the psalmist, to bait him, to entice him, to steal, kill, destroy, right? So they're against him. And yet what is the psalmist choosing to do in the midst of that? It's the second part of verse 9. It says, but I do not forget your law. The second part of verse 10, he says, I, but I do not stray from your precepts. So he's committing himself to the ways of the Lord. Lord, I do not want to forget. I want to remember. Lord, I do not want to stray. I want to remain faithful. That word stray talks about uh, being enticed or seduced or misled or uh, led to ruin. The psalmist says, God, as my sustainer, give me enough light to make the next step. Isn't that what we're asking for? God, give me just enough light to see the path forward, right? That's, that's what we're asking in faith, and that's what the... The psalmist is asking for, Lord, sustain me. By faith, he's turning to the Lord. He's turning to the Lord in honesty. He says in uh, the second part of verse 7, he says, Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. He's recognizing the desperation that he's in. Uh, This is the fifth of nine times that the scripture says, Lord, I need you to give me life. I need you to renew me. I need you to give me strength. I need you to give me stability. Lord, In those moments of weakness, remind me of the blessings that I have in you, the promises I have in you. We've read this before, but it's such an amazing psalm. And I would encourage you to read the entire psalm, Psalm 103. We'll look at the first five verses, but I would encourage you sometime this week or even today, read the entire chapter. It's amazing. And the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, all his blessings, who forgives us our iniquity, so there's a blessing of forgiveness, uh, who heals our diseases, so there's a blessing of healing, who redeems your life from the pit, so there's a blessing of rescue, uh, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, so there's a, the blessing of the fact that the Lord surrounds us with mercy and compassion and love, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagle, so the Lord blesses us with satisfaction. And sustains us with amazing strength. Uh, the psalmist is trusting the Lord to sustain him by faith. He's turning to the Lord in worship. He's praising the Lord in the midst of his circumstances. Uh, first part of verse 8, he says, Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord. When you look at the book, uh, books of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, uh, God lays out for his people uh, several places where they are to bring an offering to the Lord. And, and, and he lays those things out. And one of the offerings that is mentioned is a free will offering. And, and that's what the psalmist talks about here. Uh, the free will offering is an offering that is voluntary, right? It, it's not forced in any way. It's genuine. Oftentimes it's spontaneous and it's a way of saying what? Thank you. Thank you. And so here is the psalmist. Through all the difficulty, the danger, and the distress of life, And he offers up a word of praise. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's pure and it's genuine. David speaks of this in Psalm 119, verse 14. He says, 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, you are my strength and my rescue. I thank you for that. Do you praise God for that? Do you praise God that he is your rock, your strength, your redeemer, your refuge? The psalmist is trusting that the Lord will sustain him. By faith, he's turning to the Lord in dependency. Second part of verse 108, he says, and teach me your rules. Uh, the word teach here talks about uh, exercise, right? He, he's a disciple of the Lord. I, I have uh, weight equipment in my garage that I would look at for years, and it would like call my name. Are you ready today? Are you ready today? Not today. Not, and to the point where it, was, it didn't even ask me anymore, right? And here's the reality. How many of us know God's word? Parts of God's word, promises in God's word, commands in God's word, truths in God's word, and yet we fail to exercise it, right? And that, that's what the psalmist needs. The psalmist is humbly submitting his life to the Lord as a student to his master, to his teacher. Uh, think about uh, a passage that if you were uh, part of music camp this past week, and they even sung about it this morning. Passages like this in Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 8. The scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How many of us have heard those verses before? In some way or fashion, right? The question is, do we exercise them, right? Do we put them into practice? Are we known for rejoicing? Are we known for gentleness? Are we known uh, to go to the Lord with our anxieties and our cares through prayer? Do we truly seek the peace that only comes from the Lord? Divine peace, unspeakable peace, guarding peace. When we are afraid, where do we turn for comfort? Do we think about the things of the Lord, things that are true, things that are just, things that are excellent, things that are worthy of praise? Right? That's what the scripture is reminding us. So we go to God's word to be reminded that he is the one who sustains us. We live in real life with real life problems, right? And as brothers and sisters in Christ, let us submit ourselves to the word of God because he truly is the one who sustains us. A third way that we as followers of Christ should humbly surrender our lives to the word of the Lord is uh, let God's word gladden you, gladden you. Uh, one of the blessings that we receive as followers of Christ is uh, the blessing that God brings us, gives us unspeakable joy, right? And that's what the psalmist closes with. He says in uh, verse 111, he says, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I love the way the original Hebrew writes this. It says this, I have taken as a heritage your testimonies forever for the rejoicing of my heart they are. So the psalmist talks about the heritage, and, and for the Jewish people, the heritage would have been automatically tied to what? Tied to the land right? The land of promise. But here the psalmist doesn't just do that. He doesn't tie the heritage just to a parcel of land. He ties the heritage of the promises of God. And these promises will last forever. And it's the promises of God's word that brings him great joy in his heart, right? Uh, 
matter of fact, Pastor Jason talked about this a little bit last week. In verse uh, 97, the scripture says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. In verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And if you caught the, the back end of Jason's message, he basically said this, I love old food. I love new food. I love Taco Bell. I love dark chocolate. But what I really love is what? The word of the Lord, right? And here is the psalmist saying, the true love of my life. What guides me, sustains me, is the same thing that brings me great joy. It is the word of the Lord. Why? Because it is in his heritage, his inheritance. It will last forever. You know, we have been given an inheritance. All the promises of God have their yes where? In Christ Jesus, right? And they will never be taken from us, right? I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, meaning it cannot be taken from us. It's undefiled. It's free from the effects of sin. Uh, It's unfading. It will never lose its beauty. It's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, God is setting aside this inheritance for you and for me. And who is guarding it? He is guarding it, right? And we have an inheritance that should bring, automatically, it should bring to us unspeakable joy to every follower of Christ every day. It's the unspeakable joy of Christ in us that sets us free and captivates our hearts, right? And when our ultimate joy is found in Christ, we will gladly and joyfully follow him. And that's what the psalmist began with in Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. He said, blessed are the, how happy is what that word blessed means. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. In other words, a heart that is content with the Lord is committed to his ways. That's what the psalmist is teaching us. And because this is true, the psalmist says in verse 112, he says, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever. Uh, to the end. What an amazing verse. Uh, The phrase there, incline my heart, means to bend or to shepherd. Uh, The word perform means to do. Uh, The word statues uh, talks about boundaries, right? And, And here's what the psalmist is communicating. Lord, I bend my heart towards the boundaries that you have set for my life to do what is best according to your word for all my life because that is where my joy is found. Man, what a beautiful verse. I incline my heart why? Because that's where my ultimate joy is found. Where, where, do you, where do you try to find ultimate joy today? Is it in the things of the Lord? Or are you trying to find it somewhere else? Because you'll never find it. It'll never satisfy. It is the person and work of Christ. That is where your ultimate joy is. The joy that flows from your relationship with Christ will greatly impact the way that you live your life. So examine life this morning. Have an honest evaluation of where you sit today. Is God's word your guide? Is God's word what stains you, sustains you and brings you joy? Here's what I believe. I believe that there are many here today and joining with us online that are at a crossroads of life. A crossroad of attention that you face every day, me included. Are, are we truly going to submit to the Lord? Or are we going to try to give the Lord a little bit and we take a little bit? So do you need guidance this morning? God in his grace says what? Ask. Ask. James 1, 5 through 8. 
If anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, re- reproach and it will be given to him. So this, God is a generous giver, right? You can ask God the same thing a thousand times, and guess what? He never gets tired. I, I, I say ten times to my kids, clean the room, and I'm, I'm done, right? A thousand times you can ask the Lord the same thing. He never denies you. He never gives you the hand check. Not, not today. He's a generous giver. But the scripture says, but let him ask how? In faith. That means trusting with no doubting. In other words, don't have one foot in and one foot out, right? That's the doubting aspect. Uh, why is that important? For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So there's instability. And then verse 7, for that person must, must not suppose, must not expect that he will receive, that he will take hold of or cling to anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In other words, God is ready and willing and wanting to give you his wisdom. But if you come with doubting, one foot in, one foot out, guess what? Even though he gives the wisdom to you, you're not going to expect to cling and to hold on to it. Why? Because you're double-minded. And so the scripture says, seek wisdom from the Lord in faith. Do you need joy this morning? One of the things that robs us of joy is distractions in life, right? All the things that pull us away. And so uh, we need to go to the word of the Lord and ask us, what, what is distracting me from that joy? Psalm 141 verse 4 says, do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their delicacies. And so here's the picture. The world has a lot of delicacies, right? A lot of things that are just dangling, right? And if we're not careful, we're going to go to one delicacy after another delicacy after another delicacy and what happens in the process. Each time we do it, we forfeit the privilege of the blessing of ultimate joy and the Lord. And the psalmist says... I need to remove these distractions from my life. Do you need sustaining power this morning? Turn to God's word and see his goodness. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I think about Costco, right? Think about Costco for just a moment. You know, they did a disservice to us when COVID hit because they stopped serving samples, right? And then finally they showed up again, right? I forgot that I should never go to the cheese sample because usually it's pretty rough. In fact, uh, when they have one, I'll I'll say, uh, kids, I'll give you five bucks if you eat the cheese and hold it down, right? They're not going to do it, right? But every once in a while, you get a good sample, right? And then you're confounded. Uh, Can I go again? I'll send the kids, you know, maybe they'll switch out. And then every once in a while, you're lobbed up, amazing grace, and the lady says, just take them all, right? Like, I got to go out. It's my lunch break or whatever, right? But sometimes we treat the Lord like that. Like we're just, we're just sampling one out, just one and then leaving or, or not sticking around. Listen, the, the scripture teaches us to feast on the Lord daily, right? To meditate on the Lord daily. Why? Because he is the bread of life. He is the living water, right? Trust him. Love him. Seek him. Look to him. Let God's word be your guide. Let God's word be your sustaining strength. And let God's word be the joy of your heart. So as you think about life today, right now, where is it in your life that maybe you're not allowing uh, the Lord to be your true guide, uh, to be the lamp to your feet and light to your path? Uh, maybe you're th- here this morning and, and you, you, you're going through a lot. 
difficulties, dangers, distress, it's piling on one after another? Are you turning to the Lord for sustaining strength, for the very presence of God? Maybe there's joy missing in your life today. Let, let, let the Lord gladden your heart today. Yes, the circumstances may stay the same, but guess what? The presence of God in the worst of circumstances is far greater than the lack of the presence of God in the best circumstances, right? Let the Lord be the joy of your heart.